for this. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. Thank you for downloading this episode. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. Pajitsky. Yeah, big show today. Guess what? We made it. It is our, it's our, my, my, it's only me. God damn it. This is my show. Hundredth episode. I finally made it. I mean, uh, thank you to everybody who supported the show. Um, and listened to this show and emailed me and it's been an incredible 100 episodes. I feel like I've learned a lot from you guys and I've learned a lot just by um, talking about the crap that's been in, in my brain for the last, what is that, almost two years now. Holy moly. Can you believe that? Two years of doing the show. So very exciting. Um, it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be great. I sound like Donald Trump. He always says that it's going to be terrific. Uh, you're really going to like my economic. It's just going to be t- terrific, the plan that I have. But first, a little bit of business. Um, I have some new dates on my calendar for 2017. Starting in May, I'm going to Phoenix. I'm going to New York City, Gotham Comedy Club, Finally, I've I've actually never done New York City proper, which is bananas. I'm super stoked to do Gotham, um, and then uh, Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. I probably should have had this queued up before I started talking, but you know, I'm not that professional today. Not feeling it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Tour dates. God damn. Stand Up Live. Let me show you the dates. Let me find the dates. Yeah, May 4th and 5th, Phoenix Stand Up Live. May 19th and 20th, New York City, Gotham Comedy Club. And then June 16th through 17th, San Francisco or Man Francisco at the Punchline um, in the city. What a, what a great few clubs. I'm super stoked. And then uh, Tom and I are doing Your Mom's House Live February 12th, 2017 at the Irvine Improv. So um, all those ticket links are on my site, Thousand Ranch. That's spelled out, the word thousandandranch.com. Get the tickets. Also, Christmas is fast approaching, and I hope that you've been shopping on Amazon and using my banner on thatsdeeprowpodcast.com. Go to the banner at the bottom of every post. Click on it, and then it'll take you through a portal. You just do your shopping as you normally would, and it kicks back some change to the show. Um, so thank you to everybody that's already done that. I shop on Amazon. Why are you fucking not? God damn it. Don't go to the mall. It's the worst. It's the worst going to the mall. I don't do it anymore. I refuse. All right, let's go. Let's get deep on it, bros. Buckle up, and let's get your life. Child, 
There we go. Richard Hell. I love these old punk bands, man. They're my favorite. <laughs> you know, I think, I feel like that's a, this era of music is like um, one of the, the last authentic times for music, in my opinion. Um, you know, of course they commodified punk rock. That, that became a commodity as well. But there is a minute there where I feel like, uh, you know, the kids took to the streets, punkers were poor. Uh, you know, people had holes in their clothes because they couldn't afford clothes and they had safety pins in their, in, you know, in their shirts um, to hold the clothes together. That's how poor these dudes were who were making this music back in the day. And uh, I just, I miss it. I, f- I feel like now, you know, the, um, the music industry has changed from what I can see so much that people don't really listen to albums anymore. Uh, you just, you, you like find your favorite song and then there's no experience of an album of like a beginning, middle and end of seeing artwork, blah, blah, blah. I know I sound like I'm 80,000 years old, but it really has become just like such an industry. You can't even have ugly people making music anymore, which, um, you know, there would be no, there, there would be no Janis Joplin today. There would be no Patti Smith today. God, no, because they're not, um, hot. I'm surprised Adele uh, even made it through the the quagmire of um, of horseshit because goddamn she is talented but you know she's a little chunky <laughs> right ladies come on <laughs> get it together <laughs> okay no excuses uh, so but I, I like seeing her it's like you know all women want to see I don't know all women but I I like seeing the the perfect ones. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I want to do that someday. Someday I'm gonna lose like um, eighty pounds and weigh one hundred, and then I'm, I'll be, oh, then I'll be perfect. If I if I just lose like fifty pounds and um, and start wearing better clothes, my life will be perfect, right? Isn't that how that goes? <laughs> yeah. And then I like seeing um, I like seeing chunkier people. You always want to see that. Speaking of uh, chunkier people, I, I'm on my quest to be. The healthy now as, as a 40 year old, I, I do Pilates twice a week. I'm, st- I'm still doing it guys. And it is hard as fuck. My trainer tricked me. She did that thing in the beginning where she's like, Pilates is easy, right? You, you know, those first couple of sessions with somebody where they hand you the little, the, just the purple two pound weights, go ahead and try those out. Does that hurt? Is that okay? And I got roped in thinking that Pilates was this easy thing. Wow. I, what? What was I think? You know, I used to walk by the studio that our our old studio was on top of in Redondo, and they, there was a Pilates studio, and I'd watch those bitches, you know, looking. They're on these torture racks, these medieval looking machines, and their ropes are attached to their legs, and there's you know circular things and and bouncing balls and all this horseshit. And I'm thinking, God, this looks really hard. And, and it is, it really is. Cause my trainer just stepped it up on me. Now I'm doing all that crazy medieval looking stuff. I'm a, I'm a Pilates mom guys. <laughs> oh fuck. What? Woo. What is that? Who am I? Where am I? I'm a fucking Pilates mom. Isn't this embarrassing? I actually had to buy those ridiculous socks. Um, that those ladies wear because you have to have grip on them to um, to do your little fitness. You have to wear these ridiculous. And I I also went and I bought like Pilates things like to wear, which is so embarrassing to me. Oh my god! I you know you you turn forty, you start to do Pilates, and that's it. Mm. 
and all of a sudden this song starts going in your head, right? Oh my Christ. How did I get here? Where is that beautiful house? This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> this, is a, this is the soundtrack to my life now. It's that 40-year-old woman. Let me in a shotgun shack. <laughs> yourself in a, another part of the world. This is right. I'm pretty sure David Byrne wrote this when he turned 40. Fuck, dude. God damn. I'm in the beautiful house. I've got the beautiful husband, the beautiful baby. And I've got workers taking dumps in my fucking house every week. Anyway, it's all good. It's all good. I got it. Honestly, you know, I'm in kind of a funk today. I don't know what's going on. You know, when you get, I got to see my shrink after this. Thank God we'll straighten it out, but... I'm just in a, a a bit of an ennui. I have a little ennui this week. Just not, you know, when you go through that thing or like, nah, nah, I'd rather not. Just a little kind of, mm, I don't know what I want to eat. You know, even even my beloved uh, cheese on a plate doesn't sound that great to me these days. I just, nah, I don't know. Just kind of bored, kind of, kind of not interested. You know, I I don't know what to do with myself. Last night. Well, I did two really uh, ridiculous things. Number one, I ate a can of Amy's organic chili, just because like I don't want I don't want to feel like cooking. I'm like, God damn it! And, and this Amy's organic brand, you think? Well, hold on, I should have my theme song playing as I talk about ridiculous shit like this. You know, you think? Well, maybe uh, I'm gonna make my diet exciting. I'm gonna have some vegan chili. There's nothing in that nonsense. There's nothing in that can that's really gonna make you that fat, right? Just a bunch of kidney beans. And uh, soy. And I ate this can of chili. God damn. And you know when you do one thing like that and it wrecks your whole day? Now I've got a gut full of just gaseous, nauseous, preservative filled. Because that's what happens too when you're, when you're my age. You, you can't eat the same crap that you did. I mean, when I was a little girl and I lived with my dad... I would live off of budget gourmet TV dinners. I don't even think that brand exists anymore. And like um, frozen pizzas. Like my body is fortified with preservatives and additives. But then once you stop doing it and you go back, holy moly. My, I'm telling you, the second half of my day, I was like, dude. And, and it was just festering in me. And the, the farts were like sewage and dog shit combined. Like you ever smell dog diarrhea? That is... That's what these farts smelled like. And I was with the husband and the kid and I'm just farting and just praying, praying that a a turd will form and I can shit this evil out of me. And it didn't happen until this morning after I had my coffee and and Jesus, I'll never again will I eat Amy's organic anything that Amy is evil. And, uh, and also after that, so wait, what else did I do? Shit. Okay. So then I'm feeling rotten. I don't want to eat dinner cause I'm so bloated and gross. And, um, Tommy went out to the comedy store to do a set. So I thought, Oh, I'm going to watch a movie. Like that is the most exciting thing I can do. You put that kid down, the kid's asleep by seven. And, and I'm just like, Oh, what an exciting night. I can get into my pajamas and I can have the dogs in the bed and I can just relax. You know, because that, that one-year-old boy, you don't relax. You're, you're constantly chasing, you know, you're constantly hunched over um, just stopping this little person from killing themselves every day. That's all you do as, as a toddler, a mother or father of a toddler. 
just hoping this guy doesn't die on you. You know, they, they put everything in their mouth. Any, any little plastic wrapper, it's just right in the mouth. So you gotta, it's all, all day. It's just vigilance, vigilance and attention to the most banal thing of just hoping this kid does not crack his head open, burn himself, eat something poisonous or choke and swallow something bad. Um, and it's ironically very exhausting. It's like, I, I remember a friend of mine when she had a one-year-old, she's like, God, I'm just, I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> I'm fucking so tired. I think I'm depressed. I think I need to go on an antidepressant. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's, um, <clears throat> a depression thing. I, I think you're physically, psychologically, you know, psychically, spiritually just exhausted. It, it is exhausting. The first year of life is tremendously exhausting. And um, it's Ellis's birthday next week, and I'm thrilled that this kid made it. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I have a one-year-old, and he is, you know, he's almost walking, and he's eating solid stuff, and it's just life has gotten a lot lighter, uh, but a, a little different, a little different. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But um, anyway, so last night I finally have a moment to myself, kids, kids asleep, husband's gone and I watch a movie. And of course, what do I watch? I go, I I have to find like, I have to turn the brain off. You know, I can't be deep all the time. That's the thing I, and you know, if you listen to me on your mom's house, I ain't deep all the time. That show is a nonsense. It's the other side of my brain, which is farts, burps. Um, more farts, diarrhea, burps, and that's it. That's, but that's fine. Like that's, that's the gig of, of being me. And I I fucking love it. I wouldn't do, I can't be anybody else. I can't be serious all the time. So I watch, I have the iTunes set up or whatever the iMovies and I'm watching, I chose uh Bridget Jones's baby. Don't you judge me. Don't you fucking roll your eyes at me. I, I can feel the collective eye roll. Christina, the show is called that's deep bro. Not, um, that's lame girl chick flick bro movie. Don't watch the uh, stupid shit like that. But I, you know what? I, I happen to very much love the, the Bridget Jones trilogy. I just love it. I've watched Bridget Jones diary countless times that, and, um, legally blonde. Love that one. I love bring it on. God damn. Bring it on. If that's on in the background, I'm watching it. I just, I love it. Ghostbusters, same thing. Coming to America, same thing. Vacation, same thing. But the original versions, not these horseshit remakes. Uh, so Bridget Jones's baby. You know, I don't want to spoil the plot for anybody, but I, I, I stayed up past 10 o'clock at night, which I never do. I'm usually asleep by 9.30. And I wake up at uh, around 6 with the kid. Um, 6 or 7, depends on him. But I... I uh, pushed, I forced myself to stay up to 10 o'clock to watch the ending of this movie. And my brain is so atrophied from motherhood. Uh, that's a real thing, this mom brain. It just, your brain turns to mush because you're so focused on keeping a being alive um, that I'm actually worried about the cliffhanger of who is Bridget Jones's baby daddy because it's between the old suitor Darcy, Ma- Mark Darcy, 
That's Renee Zellweger's English accent, which is actually really much better in this third one. She she nailed it by the third movie. The first one was, oh, I'm English. This is so wonderful, everybody. I'm having a muffin today. Top of the morning to you. It was so like me doing her, the English accent. So she really mastered it by the third movie. So the big cliffhanger is, is this between Mark Darcy, the daddy, or the the new guy who's from Grey's Anatomy, that cute guy? Uh, Professor Booty, whatever the fuck his name is. And uh, God, I can't believe I was like, who is it? Who's going to be the daddy? <laughs> I'm so dumb that I like stuck through it. Uh, I'm not going to give it away. I won't give away the ending because it's a really important story. Uh, but I liked it. You know, every now and then you, you just got to do what you like. Uh, do what you like and um, and watch stupid things. But it was nice. It was good to just be a normal person. I think I think that's why I'm bummed. Honestly, lately, I think just too much responsibility. I'm I am a hyper vigilant person because of uh, my upbringing. I I think I've always been an adult. I don't think there was a time where I I felt um, not responsible. <laughs> I, in fact, I can remember. Um, I think four was the time I. That's the last time I remember feeling like a magical sense of childhood, and that and then it was like, all right, kid. You you better grow up. Um, you know, so funny. I was I don't know if I told you this one before. This one's fucking amazing. But so Ellis is learning to. He's clapping and he's starting to walk and stuff. And we praise him a lot. We go, yeah, good job. You know, you're supposed to praise the kid and shit. So they get self esteem. And my father watched me praise Ellis a while back for something he was doing. I think he was eating on his own. I go, good job, buddy. And my dad goes, oh, come on, come on. You don't want to give him too much praise. The child, maybe at the end of the day, you say one good job, but not good job, good job all day. Come on. <laughs> there you go. Snapshot from my childhood. Okay. Uh, so there we go. This is it. This is episode 100. And I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. I wanted to get Jenny Pantlin. Sorry, guys. A few of you requested but um, she's in Hawaii and she's got her own kids. And I, unfortunately, the scheduling has been bananas. So I apologize. Uh, could not get her to do it this time. But uh, hopefully very, very soon. I just wanted to, you know, I was thinking about episode 100 and, and milestones um, and all of that. Oh, but first, let's get into this. You know, I, I was reading a book the other day and I thought of you guys. Um I was reading about child development because I have to overachieve in everything I do and make sure that I'm doing it right, right? <laughs> and I asked my shrink to recommend books on child development so I don't uh, permanently screw up my kid's life. And I'm reading a book here. It's called The Magic Years. And, I, you know, I liked, I'm fascinated by psychology. I think the way the human mind works is... Um, endlessly fascinating to me. It's just such a miracle that uh, of all the living beings on earth, we have this thing called consciousness and I don't understand how it formed. Nobody really knows uh, what the mind is versus the meat. Nobody, the meat in your, that is your brain. I mean, mind versus matter. What the soul is, the soul um, connected to the body? Is it separate from the body, et cetera, et cetera. So I love reading about psychology and particularly watching a person from be- the beginning grow. And what's fascinating about uh, 
this time of Ellis's development, um, there's a bit about anxiety in this book that I've been reading. Um, Okay, let's see. And it talks about anxiety being kind of a helpful thing. And I thought it would be nice on this show because we talk about anxiety and depression so much. And I read this and I thought, oh, thank God there's an upside to being anxious all the time. (laughs) Thank God. Because I I was wondering, like, what what there has to be some evolutionary purpose to um, anxiety, depression. All these things signal something in in our surroundings that need to be addressed. So, um, okay, so it talks about small, small children and they have anxiety. Everybody does, even from the very beginning, little chitlins, you get anxiety. But it's, it's mitigated, it's managed. Older children manage anxiety by creating invisible friends. Um, or becoming bullies on the playground, whatever the heck it is, but we all have it. But this was interesting in this book. It says, uh, recognize that anxiety is not a pathological condition in itself, but a necessary and normal physiological and mental preparation for danger. In fact, the absence of anticipatory anxiety may under certain circumstances invite neurosis. The man who succumbs to shock on the battlefield is a man who, for one reason or another, has not developed the necessary anticipatory anxiety, which would have prepared him for danger and averted a traumatic neurosis. Anxiety is necessary for the survival of the individual under certain circumstances. Failure to apprehend danger and prepare for it may have uh, disastrous results. We, we will find further that anxiety can serve the highest aims of man. The anxiety of performing artists, there you go, before going on stage, may actually bring forth the highest abilities of the artist when the performance begins. Anxiety serves social purposes. It is one of the motives in the acquisition of conscience. It is fear of disapproval from loved ones, as well as the desire to be loved, which brings about conscience in the child. You know, in other words, babies are born and they're just like all id, right? It's all desire. It's all what I want, me, 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 because that's how they learn. And then we civilize, we civilize children. We go, no, 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 you may not pull the dog's tail, uh, because that's not proper behavior. No, no, no. You can't uh, grab your peener in public. You grab your peener at home. Um, you know, of course, uh, whenever you want in front of mom and dad, but not in public. And I thought that was very fascinating that anxiety is actually necessary for one's survival. So there's an upside to being a neurotic lunatic um, is that it prepares you for danger. So if you don't have anxiety and, and let's say like they're talking about a warrior going into battle, you, you're going to get killed because you're not going to map out the possibilities in your head of what may or may not happen. And I think that's what anxiety is, right? The, um, the anticipating that the shit's going to hit the fan. And what am I going to do in this case? And I do a lot of that. I know I do a lot of that where I like to plan out possible plans of attack and what I'm going to do. And, and, um, you know, I'm always preparing for the other, the other shoe to drop, which is, uh, neurotic, (laughs) not necessarily great for one's, uh, mental state. Uh, but it's also good in that, like the, when the shit does hit the fan, I'm pretty good at dealing with it. And that's one of the blessing, a blessing in the skies, if you will, of, of being, a controlling neurotic person like I am and full of anxiety can actually help you and uh, you won't get killed in battle with anxiety and the social purpose. That's interesting too, of being shamed and being ostracized. And that's a lot, a lot of the, which is good and bad, right? Uh, you know, you don't masturbate in public because of the fear of uh, shame. You don't, uh, 
I don't know, steal things from convenience stores because you, you don't want to bring shame onto your family. You don't want to be ostracized from society. And those are good things. Now, the, the downside to that is when I get a lot of emails from you guys, when you're, when you're saying like, oh, I would love to go study somewhere. Or I would love to do this or that for a living, but my family is discouraging me. And that's, that's harmful, right? So that's on the opposite side of the spectrum of, of uh, falling in line with your peers and with your family. Fuck that. But I wanted to kind of, um, it's been, it's been a hundred episodes and what have we learned? You know, I was thinking like, uh, what have I learned over these hundred episodes? What have we learned collectively? And I think, uh, first and foremost that, cause in the beginning, you know, doing a podcast like this is, it's, it feels, it feels narcissistic. It feels solipsistic. It feels ridiculous. Sometimes I stop recording and I go, God, did I say too much today? Ugh, ugh. Like I get so, I get sometimes weird about it. And I, you know, there was a time I stopped doing the show. I don't know if you remember, but I, I had to hang it up for a minute because it was like, what am I doing? Why, why am I talking about this stuff? And am I helping any anybody really? Or is this just my, you know, narcissistic need to, uh, to talk about the stuff. And, um, but then I came back cause my friend was like, no way, man, you got to push through whenever you want to quit something. It's cause you're getting close to the, the meat of it. You're getting awfully close to doing something that you really want to do. And that's so true creatively. I don't know if you guys, if any of you write songs or jokes or whatever the heck it is you do creatively, a lot of the times when you're like, I want to fucking stop. I want to throw it away is probably because you've been doing something the way you think you should be doing and not the way you actually want to be doing it. If that makes sense, you, it's like a, the stripping away process. You know, a lot of stand up I've found is like, it's not about being somebody else up there. It's actually being you, <clears throat> you times 10. And I think that's the secret to any good art is just stripping away the bullshit. I think that's when people can tell when something sucks because they're like, oh, that's not authentic. That doesn't feel real. That doesn't feel good. Um, so firstly, I think what I, the, the craziest thing I've learned doing the show uh, from, from you guys, from you, is that uh, I'm definitely not alone and that none of us are alone in this human experience. And I I think because of my upbringing, because I had such an extremely bizarro childhood, I, I, I worry that I'm a space alien and that, uh, that nobody gets what I'm thinking and maybe my shit is too weird. Maybe I'm too weird. Maybe nobody understands what I'm saying, really, truly gets it, that kind of thing. And then you get, I read these emails from you guys and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not the only person that grew up maybe with a nutty mom, with divorced parents, with immigrant stuff, with, you know, um, alcoholism in the family, with the, all these things that make all of us unique and tweaked and weird and freakish. So it's been really great finding a tribe here. And I, I think we've done that. And also meeting a lot of you out on the road and, um, I mean, shit, listen, I don't, I hate crying, you know, I don't like feelings, but I've, a few of you I've met and we've actually hugged each other and I've just been brought to tears and I'm even crying right now. Just thinking of a few of you. Um, so that's really, really special. And I, I just want to thank you guys for making this possible. Cause I think that was actually the biggest lesson that I've learned on the show is that, um, 
God, why am I crying now? God damn it. Is, uh, is that we're not alone. And, um, and it's neat to know that this show has touched you guys. Cause I don't know. That just, the point is that the show has a point is what I'm trying to say. It's not just, uh, uh, me sitting in a dark room rambling that it, it actually resonated with a few of you. And that's huge for me. Cause like, look, look, a lot of my neurosis in life is that I'm, like I said, too weird. So there you go. Um, so here, I've made a list of things that I, I think I've learned in 40 years of existence, and um, I hope I hope to be of help. Uh, well, let's start with number one. And to me, this is like, well, shit, what is number one? Eh, okay. Number one, do what you like. <laughs> do what you like doing. And I, and I know that as, as an adult, you have responsibilities and you can't always do what you want all the time. I'm not saying do what you want all the time, uh, but try to do the things you enjoy most of the time. And it's so funny because sometimes it's a little thing and you forget the little things you like. Um, I like being outside a lot more than I am outside. Like little things, go sit outside in sunshine to eat your sandwich instead of just sitting indoors you know, if, if a lot of you work in cubicles, I, I remember when I worked in offices and lunchtime would roll around and then we'd just go from being inside for, you know, eight hours a day to another place where I would sit inside and eat whatever nonsense was in front of me. And I remember thinking, wait, why do I have to do it this way? Can I go somewhere and just see grass and birds and sit on a bench and look at things that I enjoy looking at? And that's one thing I miss about living near the beach is that I would go to the beach almost every day and walk around and um, and just enjoy uh, that. That's really all there is. <laughs> that's what I like the most. I love that stuff. <laughs> and wear what you like. I, it's so funny too because like I, I get in these ruts where I don't um, often, I'm not very conscious of conscious of what I wear. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'll just put that on. It's from the gap, right? It's fine. And then I see pictures of myself and I'm like, Oh no, why didn't you put on, um, that thing that you liked that red thing? You like that one much more. And, and I, I think like, well, yeah, you know, why don't I put on things that I like more or, or do my hair differently? I don't know. That's small shit. Um, yeah, I think also what I've learned in, in this journey and in my life is that, uh, you are definitely your own hero. And I think, I'm um, thank God I have a son because I, I absolutely detest the majority of the Disney stuff that I grew up on. And I know now they're changing that stuff. I, I saw Maleficent and they changed the ending. Thank God. And this new Disney movie, the, I think she's a Samoan princess. I understand that she saves herself. Thank Christ. I mean, it only took to 2016 for us to revamp that message, but uh, truly, you are your own uh, superhero, and I and I mean that not in a stupid, um, basic sort of like you you can do it. I don't mean it like that. What I mean is a, a lot of us are waiting for permission to be the people we want to be, and I, a lot of the emails I get, it's it's interesting if you really distill it down. A lot of times, people are just wanting permission to do the thing that they desperately want to do. And they, they want someone to tell them it's okay. 
And I remember when I wanted to stop breastfeeding my son, I think it was like four months in, and I went to the doctor and I'm like, look, look, I can't do this shit no more. Mama is tired. Mama don't make enough milk to begin with. This is a this is an exercise in in uh, futility. Can I stop? I remember I asked my my doctor, "Can I stop breastfeeding him?" And she goes, "Well, yeah. You don't." She goes, "I give you permission." She goes, "I give you permission to stop." And I thought that was an interesting choice of words because that is exactly what I was looking for—permission. And also from the great Roseanne Barr. I've said this before on this show, and it's because I think it was one of the most powerful things I had ever heard, is that nobody, nobody gives you power. You must take it. You must assume it, which is, uh, I think, pretty life-changing. Because you're kind of waiting for somebody to hand you things, right? Aren't we on some unconscious level waiting for a mommy or daddy figure to help? help us to, to, uh, the, the prince to come out of obscurity and slay our dragons for us and rescue us with the kiss. And, and, um, I think, you know, for many years I unconsciously was looking for a mommy or daddy in, in situations, places, people, things. And you realize like, Oh, I, that I can't be saved, uh, by external things. Those things will never save you. Nothing can save you, but you, which is, bananas. Uh, that's a pretty deep one, bro. And I hope that makes sense to you because it, it's taken me a long time to learn that one, that you rescue you. And even other people, you know, in a lot of the dramas that are created in human existence are really, it's really you. <laughs> you know, when I hear um, people complaining like, oh, so-and-so's doing this and that activity and they're, they're not doing this and the blah, 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 blah. And you go, well, wait a minute, who's allowing all this stuff to happen? You. And, you know, you're not laying down the law, the boundaries in your life and other people will step on them and, and they do. And I don't mean that in a, a nasty way that people don't do it sometimes consciously, unconsciously. Um, but yeah, you, uh, human, you must take human agency. I, I'm a huge lover of existentialism. There is a book by Jean-Paul Sartre, Sartre called Existentialism and Human Emotions. And in that book, it's a very thin book. It's a very decently quick read. For those of you who do want to read a standard philosophy book, it's, um, it talks about choice. And uh, for me, that was one of the biggest ideas that changed everything was the idea of choice. The idea that you are not determined by your race, your gender, where you were born, who you were born to, um, your circumstance, your religion. You are not these things. And you don't have to be determined by these things. And that book blew my mind. Existentialism and Human Emotions, Jean-Paul Sartre. One fact, it's not all of existentialism. I'm not saying that's the whole thing. But uh, a lovely facet of it is the idea of choosing one's identity and choosing one's, um, not just path. You know, I don't want to make it sound trite. It's not about career. I, I think everybody's like, thinks about this stuff in terms of uh, money, career, what, who am I, what am I going to do for a living? Not just that, because it's, it's insidious. I think societal norms that are put on us 
on everybody, on women, on uh, black men, on gay people, on who the fuck ever, on dogs, on, on white men, on everybody. There's societal expectations on all of us. And a lot of them are just unconsciously fed to us over the years. And they're deep. They're deeply rooted um, um, in our psyches. And you, you must undo them. It's so funny because it's even small things. I grew up in a totally Euro house uh, where the women generally did all the cooking, all the cleaning, and all the serving. And the men did all the eating, drinking, enjoying, and joking. And I remember as a very small girl wondering, why, why can't the women do the eating, drinking, smoking, joking, and enjoying? Because I frankly loved the company of my dad and his friends far more than I enjoyed, enjoyed the yentas in the kitchen complaining about everything. I remember thinking, well, why are these, there's two different parties happening. Because what happened was, I should back it up. My father every Sunday and my stepmother uh, when I was a little girl, would have these big Hungarian parties every Sunday night, starting around, I don't know, four o'clock, well into the 11 o'clock hour on a Sunday night, my dad would have over all the Hungarians. They're usually married couples. You know, there was a guy named Emil and he was a carpenter and Emil was missing about, you know, three knuckles. And um, there was a guy who we called Dr. Sus, Susie, because his last name is Sus, Susie. And Susie and his wife would come over and uh, Tibor and Janos and um, Polly <laughs> and all these old school Hungarian, you know, lunatics. They, these guys were mostly blue collar, very, very, uh, they liked to drink. They like to eat their sausage and they like to tell inappropriate jokes. And I loved them. I just, I absolutely love them. And I thought, gosh, when I grow up, I would love to be Emil. <laughs> I want to be the guy with like three knuckles missing, who's a carpenter who ties one off and tells jokes. Cause Emil was one of the funniest dudes in that group. He was always telling me jokes and encouraging me to tell him jokes and be funny. And same with my dad. My dad is really jokey guy. And I was always encouraged to joke, uh, with these Hungarian dudes. And, um, I just, I remember wanting to be with them more because I would go into the kitchen and the women were just complaining about the men. And I thought, well, that's not a very powerful way of being. I didn't think that I'm not, I didn't know that at the age of seven or eight or whatever I was, but I just, I had a sense that one of those groups assumed the power and one of those groups gave away their power. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, bros. And so I, I love men for that reason, that a lot that a lot of that is, uh, especially white guys, is ingrained in day one, right? You're born a white man and society rolls out the red carpet. And it's, it is not necessarily, I'm not saying this is a, a conscious sort of like, hey, everybody, another white guy is born. Hooray. It's not that. It's just that I think when you're born into the privileged class or whatever, you assume a way of being. I've I've never watched my husband struggle with the same insecurities that I have um, about belonging. And it's funny, I just just filmed this uh, pilot thingy and my friend Mary Lynn Rice Cub, who's a brilliant comedian, she's also, she was on that show 24, Chloe, I don't know if you know her, she's fantastic. Mary Lynn, we were doing a panel about what bothers us as comedians, 
or no, what's the most offensive thing that happened to you as a comic or, or sorry, the audience got offended by, that's what it is. Did the audience get offended by something you said? And Mary Lynn says this brilliant thing. She goes, oh, I think they're just offended that I'm up there talking. <laughs> right. And I think for many of us, many of us, if you're, if you're not in the, you know, if you're in the margins, that rings true. Okay. And I, and even if you are a white guy, I think sometimes a lot of the white guys out there, maybe you don't feel like you have a right to have a voice, have a right to say anything. So it's very, um, it's very interesting and it, and it is a very insidious, small thing, you know? And I, and I remember when I was first becoming a comedian and I would go to the comedy store back when I was an open micer and back then it was very different. It was ruled by the comedy store was ruled by a group of really mean boys and they would uh, bully everybody, not just girls. I think they just, they hate, they're miserable and they would just bully people. And I, I just remember like thinking to myself, like, can either let these assholes tell me who the fuck I am or I can tell them who the fuck I am and they can suck my left one, you know? And, and, and it was hard. It's not easy to, uh, to stand up to that. And I, and I'm saying that to to everybody. There, there's always going to be somebody who's going to tell you or not even tell you. The messages are even more subtle than that. That you have to be perfect. That you have to be a certain way to be successful. Because I think a lot of us, when you have an opportunity or you think like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, right? What's the first thought in your head? Well, who am I to do that? Who am I? You know, when I first wanted to do my own podcast, that, that was my first. I wanted to do this podcast forever for years. And then, and then that immediate choke chain of, well, who am I to have my own podcast? Who am I to have my own voice for an hour? You know, Bill Burr, he talks for an hour, but he's a guy. <laughs> oh, right. And that's very, um, again, insidious and a very quiet voice in my head. It's not like it's, the, it's not conscious is what I'm saying. It's all, it's all there. It's all there. Um, so Anyway, I learned that on the show. You have to assume your own power. That's a big one. Um, and also, this is a big one. I did an episode on this, the old Marine credo, to expect the unexpected and whenever possible, be the unexpected. And that's a battle thing, but uh, expect the unexpected, man. Always. In all ways, shapes, and forms. Because the unexpected happens quite often. <laughs> Quite often, and, and so much so, the longer you live, you realize that not a lot is unexpected. Um, so w- what do I mean? Build a bunker and prepare yourself for the apocalypse? No, but don't be so surprised when crazy shit goes down because you don't want to put your blinders on to life. You know, keep your senses open. Shit gets real. <laughs> and also, you know, I've always found... Um, I've always been really annoyed when uh, when people assume that change is always for the better. Well, you know, uh, change isn't always for the better, but there's usually an upside to every situation. Right. Like, um, I just don't, I, I think and the, the only caveat to that being, let's say you're miserable, miserable in a relationship, in a job, in a whatever, miserable miserable and you're like I gotta go I gotta go I gotta go I gotta go and then you go that change is undoubtedly in the long run always better because you're so fucking miserable anything is better than what you're experiencing now that's not what I'm talking about sometimes bad things happen to great people and that happens a lot 
in the world. It, it does. Um, Patton Oswald's wife passed away. I don't know how long ago now, maybe almost a year, maybe less. Like she just fucking died in the night, in the middle of the night. 40 something year old woman just fucking died. And Patton's a nice guy for as far as I, I don't know him personally, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about him. And they have a seven year old daughter and it's horribly tragic. Shit like that happens. And here's the thing. There's no amount of worrying that can stop the bad things from happening to you in your life. So there's no point in worrying and there's no point in the over-anxiety that I struggle with. And I know this consciously, but it doesn't seem to stop me. <laughs> um, bad shit does happen and change happens. And it's not always for the better, but eventually there are bright sides to the things. And I don't know if Patton's found it yet. And I don't, oh God, I don't know. It's horrifying to think about your spouse dying or your partner dying, whatever, your dog dying, anybody dying. But you deal with it. And I think that's the point, is that you're always capable of dealing whatever with whatever fucking happens to you. All of us. And all of us have traumas and horrible shit that happen. You're not alone in that. That's another thing I've learned on this show, by the way, the trauma stuff. I thought I was the only person in the world who grew up with a fucking borderline mom and um, grew up alone <laughs> in an apartment with my crazy mom. Um, there's a few of you out there that have too. And you can deal with it. You can deal with anything if you want to. Or you can just not and you can shut it down and you can be a victim of your circumstances and you can fucking let it ruin your life and you can be a loser. You can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> what else did I write down? Um, oh, Yeah. You know, um, it's like I said, I've, I've been in a funk the last few days and the worst thing I can do when I'm in the funk is to fight the funk. By that, I mean, force the happiness, you know, you know, when sometimes you're just, I, I'm not necessarily depressed. I just have a little bit of ennui, meh, just a little meh. And I think the worst thing I can do for myself is to, um, fight it fight the ennui because I, th I think the ennui is a necessary part there's and I, and I now in retrospect I think I know why it's because we've had so much excitement in the last three weeks moving the new house my kids become a toddler um we had Thanksgiving we've had just numerous wonderful positive things also you know professionally good things are happening too blah 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 and it's like this overstimulation of stuff and so you kind of need to calm your nervous system. Maybe my nervous system is like, take a break, bitch. Settle fucking down. I think I'm settling down. <sighs> um, what was the point of that one? Oh, that sometimes the best thing, the only thing you can do is to be still. It's just like being pregnant. Some days the best thing you can do for your baby is to be still. Just to chill. Sit and watch Netflix. Watch your Bridget Jones' baby movie. Watch your Bridget Jones trilogy. Whatever you got to do. Because uh, the icky feelings, I think the scariest thing you can do for yourself when those yucky feelings come is to push them away, right? Uh, I got to go do something about this. You know, we feel shitty and then the first response is, I got to do something. At least me. I got to go. I got to eat something. I got to go work out. I got to go get rid of this. I got to listen to something positive. I got to listen to <laughs> Abraham Hicks on YouTube to get over this funk and and... Um, I think pushing, what I've learned is that pushing away the funk makes the funk 
harder and longer. You know what I mean? It's sometimes you just got to be still with the funk to let it show you what is in there. Because there's there's a reason there's a functification happening. But if you want to get your life, you just got to go, you got to sit in the cloud for a minute until it comes out. I don't know. We'll see what my shrink says about this one. I'll keep you posted. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, <clears throat> I think this one's major too. From what I've learned on this show and what I've learned in life is uh, definitely have a vision for things for everything that you choose to do, that you choose to do. By the way, everything is a fucking choice. I love when people are like, I, but I have to. No, you don't. You could do something. You don't should. You don't have to. No. And no. And no, 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 no. Um, you don't have to do anything. What the fuck was I? You see, I got this mom brain. Oh, right. You just need some kind of vision. Some kind of vision. You don't have to have the details worked out. Um, let's see what Dan Pena. Oh, because if you if you don't have it envisioned, uh, you're just going to end up going where the wind takes you. This is why you're fucking poor. Yeah. See, you know why you're fucking poor. <laughs> I know that. Uh, but a lot. I think a lot of people. I was listening to Marianne Williamson talk about this. And I've talked about this on the show, the importance of a Sabbath. I observe a strict Sunday, don't fuck with me policy. I don't answer the door on Sunday. I don't look at my cell phone on Sunday. Um, Sunday is for family. I don't have nannies in the house, worker, whatever. Who the fuck? Don't come knocking on my door on a Sunday. I won't do it. I observe a strict Sabbath. I cook a Sunday dinner. Because I that's a, a thing that we had, right? The Sunday party that my dad had. I do like a Sunday family thing because of the importance of calming the fuck down. Of calming the fuck down. Calming the nervous system down. Uh, observing nothing. Observing observing your life. Enjoying your life for one day a week. Because we're overstressed. Everybody's overscheduled and over overdoing it. And we love to brag about it. How busy I'm so busy. I got, I'm so, I I hate it when I say, when I hear it come out of my mouth, Oh, I'm so, it's been busy. I hate it because I know that that's my fault. I have overscheduled myself. I have allowed it to happen for whatever reason, maybe because I need to be overscheduled so I don't have to feel feelings. (laughs) Um, it doesn't have to be that way. But the point being, if you let your mind be taken by everything around it, which is uh, the incessant use of the iPhone. And I know I sound like an 80-year-old. I, I, I know this is not a new revelation, but the incessant email checking. How many fucking times a day do I have to check my email to feel okay? How many fucking times do we hit refresh to see a new email coming? Oh, goody. Oh, goody. A hotels.com email has just come in. Did I really fucking need to see that? Oh, goody. I have more uh, gap cash. <laughs> um, because the mind does get taken over. If you don't steer the ship, something else will. Because the mind is a very... It's a landscape of what the fuck. You, you have to control it. Right? And we do the meditation, which I've been trying to do. It's fucking hard in a house... Full of crazy, crazy craziness. Um, 
But if you don't control your thoughts and if you don't control the vision, some other motherfucker will, right? Going back to the women in the kitchen complaining about the men. Well, who the fuck told them they had to do all that stuff? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe you could hire a a helper to do it for the party, a caterer, some other Hungarian woman who would gladly do it for 50 bucks. Maybe all of you could chip in and have someone else clean up for the party. Yeah, that exists. You know that, right? (laughs) Mm. That's what I mean. Getting swept up in the circumstance of shit and you think you don't have a say, you think there's no alternative way of being because you're just in it, right? You're just in it. So if you don't have a vision for who you are and what you tolerate and what you want to be and all that, someone else will, believe me, someone else will and you'll just get sucked up into their bullshit. I see it all the time. I mean, not that it's necessarily wrong, um, but you see it a lot in um, my industry. You'll have, ah, I shouldn't even talk shit about this, but you know, sometimes there's comics um, who will have mates, partners, whatever's that are they're just to get sucked up into their thing, right? Like they're just a supporting person. And that's fine. You know, you know, not everybody has to have their own song, but I do think that everyone has their own song. And sometimes that can be a resentful position to be in when you're just contributing to other people's songs and not making your own, you know, mm. get your life. Anyways, there we go. Um, I have to get going because I got to get on the road. Oh, my life. It's getting late already. I got to go see my shrink. We got to talk it out. And you know what I'm going to do today? Because I've been too responsible, I'm taking action. And I've decided today is a day of fun. Me and the husband, we're going to do something fun after my shrink. We're going to go see a movie or do something like that because it's been too responsible lately and life has become too mundane, right? We all got shit to fucking do, but every now and then, you just got to say, fuck it. You got to do something good with your life. You got to do something fun. It doesn't involve eating uh, chili out of a can because that's not good. That's what we've learned. If there's anything to take away, it's do not eat a can of Amy's organic chili, thinking that because it's organic and in a can that it's not made of the devil. There you go. All right, guys, I got to get rolling. Thank you so much uh, for downloading. Thank you for making this my 100th episode. I am so thankful to everybody that's listened to the show. Um, and and uh, I hope to make 100 more of these. And I have a feeling I will have the material to make 100 more of these because life doesn't stop rolling. It is just a marathon. And we're all on this existential fucking treadmill, guys. We're all just running. And let's hope we're staying hydrated. I know I am because I am the motherfucking water champ. All right, bros. Stay deep. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. 
It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.